0: Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. It was the weekend. Um, We had uh, Samantha Power on here uh, because uh, she used to be the U.S. uh, ambassador to the U.N., and she can maybe talk about why Helen Clark didn't get that top job that she was going for. Uh, Shona Lang has won an award, and Mark Burgess has got a book. But before any of that, uh, the lockdown rules, it's all a bit confusing. Obviously, David Clark got confused, which is a little bit surprising given that he's the Minister of Health. But with this exercise thing,
1: I don't know, it's been maybe just a little bit fuzzy. They haven't come out and simply said, the only time you can drive is to the supermarket or to access essential services. No, no. Instead, all of us are being asked to use our better judgement we're all being asked to use common sense. And when we can't trust the judgment of the Minister of Health for all people, the Minister of Health, well, (laughs) it makes me a bit anxious about just how effective this lockdown will be. In the coming days, we should get a better sense of exactly how well Alert Level 4 is working in reducing our coronavirus count. I just hope that if it looks to be working well and the data shows a steady reduction in cases, we don't get too relaxed too early. The more conservatively uh, we behave, the more that we err on the side of, "Eh, it's probably not a good idea, the better our chances of ending this sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, seriously, just don't do it. Give yourself a break. Take it easy for a couple of weeks. How hard is it, Jesus? Anyway, maybe Mark Mitchell can clarify some of this. He's on the committee who's had a relook at the rules. Now, the police commissioner, who has now just the changing of the guard, of course, Mike Bush, admitted that the police hadn't been tracking everyone down in isolation. Have you? Are you happy with um, some of the progress you've seen as a result of the questions you've asked on that?
2: Yeah, so there were two main themes that um, me, myself and Andrew Simon followed on Thursday um, at the committee. One was that we don't feel like our border controls are strong enough and uh, we should be quarantining people when they come back in. That's our biggest point of weakness at the moment in terms of how the virus is actually getting into the country. And the other one was uh, there was a lot of uncertainty around whether the police had the powers that they needed to actually enforce a state of emergency um, while we had the lockdown for COVID-19. So the good news is that the government appears to be getting focused on and realising that actually needs, more needs to be done around the border. And also um, yesterday, of course, they came out with a order pursuant to the Health Act um, trying to clarify the police's powers. We're still not 100% convinced on that. We think it is important, and we had a lot of information flying back to us from frontline police officers that were very concerned that they were operating outside the law because they didn't have the powers. And even though we're in a state of emergency, I think that's even more important, that um, that the public have absolute clarity and the police understand and know what powers and laws they're operating under.
1: You mentioned the police. How big an issue is it that there are 666 sworn and non-sworn police staff currently off work who are isolating?
2: Of course, that's a big concern because um, it reduces their own... Operational uh, capability, but of course, for us to break the cycle, it's important that they are off and they're isolated and that they're following the same rules.
0: Yeah, it's tricky to arrest people from a distance. That's the that's the thing, isn't it? Um, presumably, tricky to breathalise them from a distance. Um, a lot of a lot of police stuff happens close quarters. How far away do you need to be from someone to taser them effectively? Quite relatively. That is. I mean, obviously, it's not ever been a particularly safe social distance for the person being tasered, but you know what I'm saying. Hey, here's Samantha Power. Uh, She's a big name. She was the uh, U.S. ambassador to the U.N. She talked to Jack uh, Sunday morning. Uh, Actually talked about why uh, Helen Clark never got that big job. A couple of years ago, New Zealand's former Prime
1: Minister, Helen Clark, pursued the top job at the United Nations, but she didn't enjoy the support of the United States. Why was that?
3: Um, first of all, uh, our votes, um, as you know, are, uh, not votes that are, uh, advertised all around the world. And indeed, (laughs) Helen Clark was a great friend of the United States. I think, and, and we worked extremely closely with her when she was in charge of the UN development program. I have huge respect for her. Um, I think we were, uh, all of us, uh, looking to see who could secure the support of all five permanent members, which is uh, a really tough nut to crack. Mm. I personally was very enthusiastic um, and indeed worked really hard to try to broaden the pool of candidates. We had more women candidates um, in the race, as you may recall, this time that we had in the entire 70 year history of the UN prior to that point. And Hella Clark was one of the strongest candidates in the pool. Um, but, you know, again, to get what you might call in negotiation you know parlance uh, a, a a zone of possible agreement a you know the a Venn diagram between Putin's Russia President Xi's China and President Obama's United States uh that was the real challenge i think mm. that we faced and so while we broaden the pool We didn't get a female secretary general uh, and we didn't get somebody with Helen Clark's amazing development background. We did in Antonio Guterres get somebody who put forth, I think because of the desire by so many to see a strong female leader like Helen Clark in the position, we got from him in the race a platform for how he was going to promote women's equity and indeed, you know, his senior staff is uh, 50-50, you know, has gender equity for the
0: first time. Oh, wow. I mean, that is quite refreshing to hear somebody talk for like two minutes there without really talking about the virus. Uh, can we keep this going? Can we, when we talk to Shana Lang about an award that she's just won, yeah, will, will she mention the virus? Let's find out.
4: Let's talk about South. Um, What a great Can I just say What a great album I loved South I know everyone knows Glad I know, uh, I'm know i not a Kennedy But not everybody knows The whole album I loved it Was it on Pagan Records
5: It was indeed And thank you I'm so nice to hear that
4: It's alright One of my great friends Is Trevor Ricky. Well he became my friend Much after 87 I started making A radio program with Trevor Trevor was Mr Pagan And I remember Absolutely. One of the first times I saw him I said One of the greatest things You've ever done Is, is, is get Shona Lang's <laughs> Album South out um so it is He the... was
5: very instrumental in the whole process actually and I'm very grateful to him. He's a wonderful guy.
4: So we're in the eighties and you've just come back from uh, England playing with Man for Man.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah. A few years had gone by. Um eighty two I got back. It took a while to get any sort of momentum happening back home. Mm. Uh, genre was recorded I think in eighty four. And South was kind of part two of that in lots of ways, yeah. and the two albums were kind of merged for the what went to the world. But um, absolutely.
4: So um, the thing about it is that people knew Shona from your feet.
5: <laughs> <laughs> people do. They still I don't remember that.
4: Remember that the dancing, yeah. the dancing feet, and the, the faces painted on the toes. But they also knew you for 1905, and they knew you as a bit of a long-haired hippie and kind of folky. But things had changed in England, hadn't it?
5: Yeah, well, um, yeah, I've been asked about this a bit, how I ended up being involved in sort of electronic pop, but I think it, it was because I was there when it happened. Yeah,
0: it turns out you don't have to stay the same. You can change. Who knew? Uh, so, I mean, admittedly, they did talk about being locked down and stuff like that, and different bits of that interview, but that was a bit where they didn't talk about it that much, so that was nice. Uh, we're going to finish up by talking to Mark Burgess. Uh, he used to be the captain of the New Zealand cricket team. He's got a book out. Um, so maybe this won't be particularly virusy either. Oh, look, I love this bloke. I admire you, sir, and I love the fact that you have played your heart out for New Zealand and you did it in a couple of codes. Mark Burgess, welcome back, matey. Thank you, Martin. It's
2: a pleasure, <laughs> pleasure to be here.
0: The bugger is, is that you can't have a book launch or anything.
2: Well, I, I mean, there are more important things going on at the moment than uh, a book launch by... Uh, on um, Burgess, uh, God, I mean, uh, I mean, it's the most unlikely thing ever. I was, uh, if you've spoken to Bill, you'll know that uh, I was a very reluctant starter, um, but eventually they persuaded me.
0: We'll be able to tell people at the end of this uh, where they can get hold of it and and how they can get a copy and read it. Look, you're one of the the very few that has played dual international. Representation for New Zealand, both as a New Zealand cricket captain and and as a football international. And I was thinking about it yesterday, mate. Thinking, I wonder if Jeff Wilson, who played cricket and rugby in 1993, will be the last one. It's not going to happen again, is it?
5: Oh, I
2: think it's yeah. It's so it's just uh, completely un- unlikely. I mean, these days there's. Uh... Everything is too professional. We, play, we played, and I, I, I'm sure that Jeff also played in a um, an amateur era. We Ours was, uh, we had to you know, hold a job down and hope that every now and then your employer would be good enough to allow you time off to uh,
0: to play. Oh, I see. He's talking about the era of professionalism. I thought Martin was meaning that there's just never, ever going to be sport again. So that's why there wouldn't be any dual j- internationals. Uh-huh. I'm Glenn B. Sorry, that was... It's too... We shouldn't be making those jokes. Stop it. Not funny. Um, I'll be back with more not funny jokes tomorrow with another news talk ZB. then. Uh, until then, see ya.